delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is on the grid. <laughs> Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming your way. We're going to speak to a young gun who drives in Super 2 very shortly as well as Mark Walker to help myself and Richard Crowell wrap up the week in sport. But before we go any further, let's go straight to Dale Rogers who's got a wrap of the Formula 1 event from Spa. Thanks, Tony. Summer holidays are over for the Formula One teams and Spa was the destination for the 2022 party to continue. It's fair to say that there was far more going on off-track than on-track at the magnificent Belgium circuit. Daniel Ricciardo officially announced that it was a well-known outcome that he would not be driving for McLaren in 2023 and the speculation turned to just where he would seek new employment. One of the most curious comments surrounding Daniel was Zach Brown who said, Quote, I think my one learning there would be just contractual. I don't think there's anything we could have done definitely, differently for him as a driver. But it's interesting from Brown. This is from a guy who ran one of the most successful sports marketing companies in the world, bringing brands such as LG and UBS to Formula One, talking about contracts. Anyway, whilst Alpine has been the popular choice for many of the social media experts commentating on Ricardo, it's not all that simple. An emerging story over the weekend that Pierre Gasly Maybe on Otmar and Alpine's radar making an all-French lineup gathered a lot of pace. If so, does that put Ricardo at Haas, Williams, or a 12-month holiday? For Gasly, would this move make sense? Well, yes, it would, as he is unlikely ever to be recalled to the Red Bull t- main team and will remain in the second tier of Atari squad. Of course, there is a small matter of another Aussie, Oscar Piastri, who Alpine are still in battle to retain, or at least prove they had a watertight contract so they then can probably charge someone else for his future services, that being McLaren. The FA Contract Recognition Board has already suggested, quite oddly, that Alpine and McLaren hold contracts and will make a final ruling just as On The Grid was recording. It seems unlikely that even if the board find in favour of Alpine that the rift between the two parties could be patched up. He's a promising young driver who hasn't driven in Formula One, yet and my wish for Oscar was that he had been a little, that he had shown a little bit more integrity, Safnau said in Belgium. In other news, a tasty feud broke out after Lewis Hamilton took to the air over the front of Fernando Alonso on lap one, with the Alpine driver suggesting Lewis was an idiot. The Williams team are now hoping that every race is held at Spa, with a superb performance from Alex Albon in a very slippery Williams FW44, a Q3 qualifying result and fine 10th place in front of both McLarens made for a very happy team. Aston Martin again showed speed to the top 10 for Vettel, as he was running as high as 6th at one stage. All of these results giving Zach Brown headaches, as the McLaren is now a real midfield performer at best on these results. And finally, Max Verstappen. Qualified on pole, was relegated to P14 at the starting grid, took the lead on lap 12, a superb effort that now sees him 93 points ahead of teammate Checo Perez, who in turn has jumped 5 points clear of Charles Leclerc. We now move to the second of three races in a row at Zandvoort, the home Grand Prix of Max Verstappen and expect to see of Orange and Orange Flares, and then on to Monza. Back to you in the studio, Tony. Thank you, Dale. Let's get straight into the show. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On the grid. All right, uh, Richard Crail, g'day to you, as always, off the top of the program. Yeah, Shebex, nice to be with you. Uh, another big week in motorsport. We'll come to talk about all of that. Uh, looking forward to the Doric Power Rankings at the end of the show, the hots and knots of the week that was. Well, there's, there's a couple, couple of beauties good, there too, yeah, I there's think. There's a couple of good ones. Looking yeah, forward looking forward to it. But we've got, a, uh, we've got a good young gun to have a chat. We've done a few young kids over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's always good to meet the stars of the future, Shebex. And uh, this young bloke is making headway and this year leading the Dunlop Super 3 Series heading into the business end of their season with their next round to come at Mount Panorama. But more importantly, perhaps at Sandown, we saw him right up front mixing it with the Super 2 guys as well, driving for Eggleston Motorsport. We're talking about young Kai Allen. Hey, Kai, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome, mate. Uh, What's this year been like for you? A bit of a whirlwind stepping into supercar competition and right in the thick of all the action. 
Yeah, it's been a great year so far. Um, it's been a bit bit wild up at the racing the Super Two boys. So been learning lots and um, just trying to soak up as much information I can uh, this year, leading into next year. So um, pretty excited to to see how we go towards the end of the year. Like you said, it's getting to, towards the business end of uh, the Super Three season. So yeah, just can't wait to see how Bathurst goes. I'm pretty keen to uh, yeah drive drive a supercar around Bathurst. So should be good. Still sixteen or seventeen yet. Uh, I turned 17 in June, so just turned 17. It's on my P's now. <laughs> still, yeah, not your P's, but uh, still right. don't have a full licence. <laughs> no, but, no, don't have a full licence yet. <laughs> you must kick yourself, though, when you, you know you've got the opportunity to drive you know, some of the best cars going around in Australia and you're not a fully-fledged driver yet. Yeah, definitely. It's pretty cool. Um, even the pedigree that that car has, it's pretty cool seeing all the, all the race wins on the side of the door and um, yeah, you're right. I'm kicking myself all the time going, geez, I can't believe I'm actually driving a supercar. So um, it's been a bit, bit surreal uh, for the first couple of races. And, and um, yeah, just, just trying to learn learn to drive the big beast that it is. And, um, yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's been, been pretty cool. We'll come to your current season in just a sec. But give us the yep. Kai Allen story, mate. What's your background? Where did you get into the sport? And what's been the progression to get to this point for those who might not have followed your career so far? Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, I started started karting when I was eight years old. Uh, I did that for six years. So, karting was a great um, foundation for me. Um, so, that's where I basically got all my my skills and, and crafts um, of uh, driving. So, yeah, that was that was great. Did that for yeah six years and um, learned so much on the way. Um, and taught me like about tires and racecraft and different surfaces and tracks and stuff. So, even like now. Um, the the Dunlop uh, tire mixes with the uh, the Michelin tire, so it was the same in go karting. We had Bridgestones and Dunlop, so you actually take a lot out of karting um, and then transfer it into into the cars. So yeah, did that, um, and then yeah, when I was about thirteen, I raced seniors in karting, um, and then uh, yeah, decided to head up to Norwell Motorplex for some training up with Paul Morris and the boys and girls up there, and that was great. Uh, that got me into a car and, and um, did a lot of coaching up there with, with uh, Robbo, who's the head coach up there. He was really good. Um, but he's basically taught me everything I know um, in a car. So that was great. And then basically Paul Morris took me under his wing and um, said, yep, this is what you need to do. Jumped in an XL, did a couple of XL races um, at the start of last year. Uh, and then, yeah, did a couple 86 races, did a few, sorry, a few 86 races and then straight into a super three. So it's been pretty, um, yeah, been pretty fast stepping stone through, through the ranks. Um, but yeah, like I said, just, just started in karting and, and, um, yeah, just worked my way through. So it's been pretty good. And you're from Mount Gambier, right? Yes. Yep. In, uh, the bottom of South Australia. So yeah. middle of nowhere. Um, so no, it's, it's a good little town in Mount Gambier. I'm missing it at the moment. Um, it's not my friends and family, but hopefully get back there towards the end of the year. And, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of talent come out of Mount Gambier. So it's pretty cool to, to have that little town um, as my home and, and uh, yeah, yeah, I love that, love that and, little and place. It's good. Kai, there's a good little motorsport culture down there, isn't there? In, across the border into the bottom end of Victoria, you've got the Warrnambool Speedway mm-hmm. and a lot of dirt track stuff over there. But even in Mount Gambier, you've got the, the Speedway there where the sprint cars go late in the year and McNamara Park for the two-wheel stuff. And I know there's some can't cross and rally cross stuff out there as well. So did you find that a good environment to sort of grow up in as a motorsport fan, but also as a, a wannabe driver and, and competitor? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Like you said, it's good. There's a lot of motorsport happening down there. Um, yeah. I've always watched Speedway um, and sprint cars. Love them. Been watching them since I'm young and then heading out to, like I said, McMurray Park. That's pretty cool. Watching the, the boys on the two wheels um, flying around. So that's been good. Um, and yeah, I've always just sort of, Love cars since I've been young, um, and that was a good little spot because we had uh, five acres of land at our house, um, and we yeah, dad made a little little dirt track out of the same clay that's um, from Borderline Speedway, so nice. that was pretty cool. Um, so we had like a three hundred meter pole line um, banked dirt track, and I just was ever since I can remember, I was just banging around on go karts or motorbikes or or even paddock bombs. So yeah, I remember that's how I met Paul Morris actually when I was oh, eight really? years old. He come down. Uh, through a family friend from Mount Gambia, um, Peter Gazard. He he's good friends with um, a lot of people, and he um, is a couple of his friends um, bring Paul down, and uh, yeah, he bring him out to the track, and we raced paddock bombs 
from lunchtime to I can't remember. I think it was like late at night. We were just banging around and racing each other. I think I was, yeah, I was, I was eight years old then. So wow. that was pretty cool to, to build that relationship with Paul. And then when I rang him up um, to see if I can do some coaching and I uh, said, hey, Paul, do you know who I am? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know you are. We used to race, race cars around each other. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. But yeah, that's that was um, it's always been in my blood. Like I remember mum and dad always used to say that I used to have to carry a a bag of Hot Wheels cars around with me when I was really little before I could even walk and, and um, yeah, just <laughs> just playing with cars and anything with the motor, I was fascinated. So that's, that's yeah, that town's great um, for motorsport and there's a lot of, lot of motorsport people around there and, and um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good joint for that, for sure. Kai, you've, if we were talking 15 years ago, I would say you've taken an untraditional pathway to where you're at, but there is no conventional pathway anymore. There's so many options for young kids to get to the top level of motorsport in the past. It was always carting into formula Ford and then you work your way through, but now 86s and XLs really do provide a a valid option for young kids to move forward. Was formula Ford something that you considered or was it always going to be the the tin tops at sort of the path that you were going to take? Yeah, hundred percent. You hit the nail on the head there. There was for sure. uh, Looking back in the day, everyone, went through Formula Ford and made their way up to, to supercars. But um, yeah, it's, it's definitely changed now. And that's, I was a bit stuck um, out of karting, didn't quite know what to do. Um, obviously, I was fortunate enough to be pretty successful in karting. And um, yeah, I just sort of was a bit stuck. I thought I'll just go to Formula Ford. And and I thought that was sort of the pathway. And then, um, yeah, like I said, heading up to Norway was probably the best thing for me. Um, I just said to Paul, look, this is... Um, what I want to do. My main goal is to get to supercars. And he said, yep, let's get you in a, in a tin top, which is pretty cool um, to have. Yeah, so that's it's cool to have those little classes. So you can you can race a tin top from a young age and, and get used to that. And that XL provides such good racing, such good race craft, and, and they're good for a beginner to get into. And then, um, yeah, obviously you can transition to an 86, which gets on the main stage, racing all the cool supercar tracks. So that was pretty cool racing my first 86 race up in Townsville on the, on the streets of Townsville. That was um, the real eye opener. Um, but yeah. Podium, it, it, podium it, two, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty uh, surprising. I was, um, yeah, just, just banging around going, Oh, this is pretty cool. And then ended up with the third overall. So I was stoked with that. And um, yeah, but that, I think that was my, my fourth ever car race. So I was just, uh, yeah, just trying to learn and stay out of trouble and, and do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like it just proves that, uh, it just proves that those little classes are so valuable for young drivers out of karting. Um, and they can either yeah, choose whatever path they want to go down. Um, Formula Ford's also a great option and Aussie cars. And there's so many now, like you said. Um, but yeah, I just, I just picked the, just listened to Paul Morris and he's obviously um, knows what he's talking about. Cause he's got all those young drivers through. So um, yeah, got into an XL, got some race craft and, took my license off and then straight to an 86 and, and it was handy having all the 86s at Norwell when, and doing a bit of coaching in them, and and now I'm an instructor, and um, yeah, that was good too, just to get those extra laps in, and when I can, and um, yeah, just doing that, and then uh, yeah, like you said, there's just so many options. It's good to sort of see where you go and see 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 what your budget is, yeah. and then go from there. You spoke about the notches on your uh, car door with its wings. If Paul Morris was to have a car door, he'd have a fair few notches as well in regards yeah. to the amount of young <laughs> That's guys. That's take up all four doors. <laughs> well, yeah. well, well, the amount of young talent that have come through uh, his school and have gone on to do bigger and, and better things. What is it about Norwell and Paul as a as a teacher that gets you ready for racing? Yeah, it's just um, it's just there's no really facility like it. Um, you've got the, the 86s, which are such good cars to drive because they teach you so many traits that you can take to basically any car you want. Um, so that's big. Uh, Paul's so very switched on with racing. Obviously, it, it proves that he really, really knows what he's talking about. And um, all the coaches there are, are phenomenal with, with what they learn and their attention to detail. And, and um, yeah, it's just um, a great stable and it's a real friendly, fun environment um, to be in. And, uh, yeah, it's just – you just go there and you can just do lap after lap, overlay data. Um, they've got all, like, the foot and throttle trace. And the biggest thing I find, too, is um, when you're switching drivers. So the instructor does a couple of laps, shows you how they drive, and then you go out and do a couple of laps and you just keep swapping over, which is really good to – because you're in the car and you can feel it. There's only so much you can learn from from data and looking at lines and stuff. 
which is very helpful. But um, obviously when you're beginning to feel how late you can break, how you feel the car pitch um, and all that kind of stuff, it's great to be actually in the car when someone else is driving to know how he can work the car to get it to its maximum potential. So driving with guys like Brody Kostecki and Anton DiBasquale and mm. so many other supercar guys that come in and out, you just jump in a car with them and there's not really anywhere that I can think of that you can just jump in and, and go around and, and um, yeah, you just learn so much just, just driving next to them. It's really good. Now, it strikes me, Kai, that the Allen family seems like a reasonably high-achieving group. <laughs> Because I think you know where I'm going with this. Now, yes. am I right? Both of your sisters both play professional netball in, in some court super netball. Is that right? Yep. Yes. Yes. So, um, yeah, Sienna and Naya, they're my two sisters. Um, I'm the youngest, obviously. And then uh, Naya's, Naya's the middle one. Sienna's the oldest. So they're both playing for, for Collingwood um, mm. in Melbourne for the for the netball team. So, um, yeah, Naya's just been signed as a contracted player, um, which is pretty cool. She's a goal shooter. Sorry, goal attack, <laughs> um, which is pretty cool. So she's she's got a gig now. Um, Sienna's had a few uh, unfortunate injuries and a few little things, but she's still well on the way to getting getting up there and, and um, getting amongst it. So she's uh, she's a defender, um, which is pretty cool. So they when they play on opposite teams, they play on each other, which is funny. So cool. Mum mum doesn't like that, <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, they're doing they're doing great. They're um yeah they just. Just uh, yeah, learning from all the professional players at, at, at Collingwood and um, absorbing, like I am, absorbing as much information as they can to make themselves better. And they train flat out whenever I'm talking to them. They even when I go down there, they eat healthy and train flat out. And that's uh, it's actually good for me because I can just uh, uh, when I stay with them, even when I go to the Eggleston workshop in Melbourne, um, yeah, it's just great to see how hard they work um, because it's so competitive that sport. Um, but it's just cool to see other people work and how they how they get the best out of themselves. Um, so, yeah, that, that's really cool to see. Do, do you compare notes, Kai? Because uh, motorsport and netball are completely polar opposites <laughs> in terms of sport, but elite athletes, ostensibly across the board, a very similar sort of makeup in the mental approach you've got to have to being operating at a very high level, whether you're driving a racing car, you're playing cricket or netball, whatever it might mm. be. So do you, do you have conversations with them about the approach that they take and their preparation and things like that? And is there any sort of transfer that you guys can learn from each other as a little elite family sporting unit that you've got going on there? Yeah, for sure. There's actually a lot. Um, it's surprising, like even their pre-game stuff they do to make sure their bodies are right and what they eat and uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, you take, we're always talking on the phone and, um, and it, it's good just to see like the way they analyze stuff and like comparing videos and, and like, um, footage, like obviously we in cars, we've got onboard footage that we watch, but they've got a camera that sits on the court and they just watch how the game works and how people read the play and how pe different people, um, work like that. So that, that's, that's pretty cool to, to talk to them about. And, um, the cool thing is like, they're both both basically got data. So they've got like how much they run and how much their heart rate is and all that kind of stuff. We've obviously got throttle, brake, trace, engine RPMs, all that kind of stuff. So it's sort of similar in a way, um, but it's very different, like you said. So yeah, for sure, we we, we speak a lot and um, learn from different stuff, but it's mainly the competitiveness um, that we've all got in common. And um, and yeah, it's just like the, the nutrition's massive in that sport because they're basically... Like we've got a car, so we need to make sure the car is the best, but their body is the car pretty much. So they're got to make sure they're on, on their game all the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see how much hard work they, they put in to get the best out of themselves. Now, mate, we love watching Super 2 and Super 3. We have a saying on this program that they've gone all Super 2 again. <laughs> uh, it gets a bit willing out there, doesn't it? Oh, for sure, yeah. It's been a bit wild in the, in the last few races and – even up in Townsville, that was pretty cool. Uh, but it's a good experience for me racing those guys because um, it's uh, it's it's completely different to anything I've done before, and and they're not afraid to to go hard at all. So it's uh it's cool to to be rubbing and, and and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like you said, it's it's a bit wild at the moment. It's uh just like I always got to try and remember myself. Um, yeah, just just I'm sometimes I'm coming second or I'm, I'm I'm leading the race. I don't really need to be racing these guys, but it is kind of cool to go and pass them and, and try and get up there. But um, yeah, it's just trying to stay out of much trouble as I can. And uh, yeah, just see how it's just go the best I can too. It's pretty cool. 
well, completely that, that, different racing for him, Richard. He's got to look at the front, back, left, and right all at exactly right. the same time. Yep, that's it. It's like, yeah, when you're leading the race, you've got to worry about who's in front, who's behind you, who's you fall wide into a corner. It's just nuts sometimes. But the awareness was, is getting better, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, totally. What good, good skills to build. That was going to be my next yeah. question because at Sandown, the gap between the Super 2 and 3 cars was tiny. Um, mm. it's, it's a track that brings them naturally close together. So... How much do you have in the back of your mind? Oh, I've just got to worry about like Brad Vaughan, who's my closest title rival for Super Three, and, and get the job done there. But but I know racing car drivers, Kai, and it doesn't matter <laughs> what championship they're fighting for. If there's an opportunity to fire one up the inside, you're probably going to take it. So, did you find yourself going, "Oh, I'm going to have a crack at this Super Two car," or in the back of your mind, were you going, oh, "I'm just going to reel myself back in a little bit and just focus on winning this Super Three thing"? Because like you said, it was so willing all the way through the field. That must have been really enticing just to have a really big crack at some of those uh, big boys in Super 2. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, like you said, Brad Vaughan, he's been hot on my heels all, all this year. He's done a great job. Um, and, yeah, we're putting a fair old battle together. Um, but, yeah, like it's hard. We're trying to race our own championship um, and race, but we've got all the Super 2 guys coming at us. So, it's pretty cool. And like you said, you always get those mixed, mixed thoughts going, oh, yeah, I'm going to fight on the inside. I go, oh, crap, hang on. No, I'm only leading the race. I don't need to. Um, so, yeah, like you said, the racing mentality kicks in and goes, right, I'm going to go for this. And then you're like, oh, no, hang on, just back out. You just got to finish the race. Um, but, yeah, we definitely – there's definitely – if there's a safe opportunity, we definitely take it. But normally it's just um, just trying to finish the race and, and go the best we can. Yeah, and that, that's probably the right approach to make sure you get the championship. <laughs> and you'll be racing them next year anyway, mate, when I assume you step up into Super 2. Uh, last one, um, you're racing for Eagleston Motorsport. They're an, a brilliant team, and, and Ben and Rachel are two of the great people in the sport. How have you found that relationship with those guys and settling into that team this year? Yeah, they're, they're unreal. Um, ben and Rachel run an awesome program, um, loving Eagleston Motorsport at the moment. And uh, yeah, we've got a, a good little bond going with all the crew and, and they're all great guys who who are uh, yeah, who, who run that team. Um so yeah, I've been just warming up to it a little bit and um yeah, they've they've been great working with even even Kirk Kosecki, my engineer. He's been awesome trying to teach me everything that I need to know about a supercar because they're a wild beast to, to tame. So um we're even working with the other engineers, um, like Stu and and all those guys, they've been been really good. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a great team, and I'm excited to keep progressing with them onto onto next year. Um, and uh, yeah, just try and try and keep keep chipping away at it. And um, yeah, just they're just great for all their support. And um, yeah, can't thank them enough. And a final one from me, mate. You're on the inside. We hear a lot of speculation on the outside about the category for next year. Seems like there's a lot of water to go under this bridge in regards to what the car's going to be, where these new cars are going to come from. Are there going to be enough cars to race in Super 2 next year of this current supercar car? So many variables to still be worked on for 2023. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's a bit up in the air at the moment. I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll try and get some stuff locked in soon. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be, we'll be doing Super 2 um, with Eggleston's next year, which I'm, I'm really excited to to do um and step up to that which would be quite competitive um with all the all the new cars coming in so um yeah not too sure at the moment I'm just trying to play it by ear and and uh, sand it out a little bit more but i'm sure we'll get some stuff locked away in the next couple of months um to yeah hit the ground running in in, in um in 2023 and and see how we go in super two pretty cool well, I've known Ben Eggleston a long time and he's not prone to buying cars that don't come with great heritage. So I'm yeah. sure I'm sure you'll <laughs> be into something very competitive next year. Hey, mate, yes. it's been great to chat and, and to get to know you a little bit better. It's been fun following your progress this year. Best of luck for the remaining couple of rounds in Super 3 and, and hope the remainder of the year goes well for you. Perfect. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate your time. Good on you, Kai. Kai Allen joining us here on The Grid. There's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid all right richard time to welcome mark walker into the conversation as we always do this time of the program hello mark tony shebecky how the devil are you i'm not too bad how are you buddy i'm getting there slowly excellent richard's here as well hi richard yeah g'day <laughs> no, i've been here not. since the start so i don't he's... know what's going on anyway no, neither roll do I. on uh, Mark's talking to me because, of course, my story on Formula 4 
was probably one of the most read stories of the year, I would have thought. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, no, it, it did all right, actually, Shebex. If uh, you haven't read it, folks, jump over to the racetalk.com. Uh, nice little yarn by Tony Shebeki, uh dabbling in the journalism field about uh, the return of some Formula Ford uh, cars racing in Australia with AGI Sports. Uh, they've actually got a legitimate little development pathway going on there, which is very cool. So Adam Gotch and his boys and girls there in Sydney have done a nice job and find a use for those old Miguel Formula yeah. 4 chassis that have otherwise been collecting dust. And uh, a lot of other great stories as well on the racetalk.com. Boys, big news coming out of Supercars today. Finally, we get a Tuesday story, which is nice as we record this uh program the story is uh, lee holdsworth getting to retire on his terms this time which is fantastic for lee yeah yeah I, it's interesting isn't it um how this has played out and i wonder how much of this is centered around there not being a drive next year more than lee deciding to call it yeah in that clearly uh grove racing would be mad to not re-sign David Reynolds because he's been in very good form and they've had young Matt Payne in the pipeline for some time um, with the well-stated plan of 2023 elevating him to the main game and three drivers into two cars doesn't go so I wonder if there was more a scenario of Lee going well clearly I'm not going to have a drive here there's not many other opportunities on the grid it it like plenty of series 2024 seems to be when the next big silly season is going to happen IndyCar all the seats open up in 24 and Formula One has a a big swing then as well so um, I wonder if it was yes it's on his terms which is great and congratulations to him for that but I wonder if there was just an element of well pragmatism I'm not going to end up anywhere else so I may as well just uh, just call time the word on the street was that there was going to be a seat open for him at Cool Drive, which but there's uh, so many drivers linked to that seat though. Like Fabian, oh, Lee, Lee was the, I think Lee was the number one candidate there. But yeah, whatever's happened, it's happened. But uh, yeah, what what do you take on his career? Because obviously the highlight is Bathurst last year. He, I guess he's been a bit of a journeyman. He's been up and down and around, and you know he he won Bathurst last year. Finally, he's had four career wins. Uh, wins in very different situations. You know, you go back to his win at Oran Park in the wet. Uh, that was a, a real breakthrough GRM when uh, he was still a bit of a young gun there in, in one of his first full seasons, one at Sydney Olympic Park, um, had that win at Winton for Betty and the Erebus, uh, broke through for them, which was uh, quite a big achievement back then in 2014. So he, he's had some really good runs over the years and definitely Bathurst last year was a highlight. I think there's an element of wrong place, wrong time in Lee's career as well, because there, you know, he was with Gary Rogers Motorsport for a, a long time, eight seasons, and GRM, until they got the Volvos, were a team that could win here or there, which is exactly what Lee did. So when the car was right and when all the conditions presented, he could win races with GRM, but that was GRM. They were never full-time championship contenders in their period in supercars right up until they got that Volvo and Scott McLaughlin absolutely singing. So the move after, after that on paper looked pretty good going to Stone Brothers Racing, but the move to SBR where he finished eighth in the championship, which was pretty solid, they became Erebus the year after. And it was a bit of a drama and those Mercs were no good in year one. They were terrible. And the Winton thing was a bit of an outlier the following year. Um, And then the Erebus thing ended and he moved across to team 18 and team 18 were a new team Mm. and they weren't in a position where they were going to be regular contenders really. Um, And to the point where they still aren't to, to this day, you know, almost 10 years later. So I I think there's an element that the, the first real, opportunity for him to be right place right time was last year was not having a full-time drive getting that plum seat with Chaz Mostert and winning Bathurst and let's not forget that Lee's stints in that race were outstanding it it wasn't just a co-driver role he was comfortably as quick as any of the main game guys and girls in what was clearly the best car in the field so 
I think he showed again what he was fully capable of. But I, I think it's a career that on reflection has been really solid, but there's probably an element of just not quite being at the right place at the right time. And, and there are so many drivers who can, who can have that in their career. So hindsight's a great thing. The, the decision for Lee to leave WAU after a Bathurst win with Chaz last year to take up a full-time drive for a one-year stint. It's obviously now cost him a spot at WAU as a co-driver for the future. Right move or wrong move? Uh, Well, I mean, you could debate that till the cows come home, but ultimately you talk to 90% of professional racing car drivers and it's probably higher than that, to be honest. They want to be a full-time driver. Yeah. So even if you're not driving for a big team, your full-time wage is going to be better than being a a once a year co-driver. There's more opportunities to drive the car. There's more commercial opportunities to exploit potentially with sponsors and things like that. Any driver in that paddock is going to take a full-time drive over just being an enduro driver for for 99% of the times, Mm. in fact. So I I can't begrudge him that. He got a podium out of it Yeah, at the Grand Prix. Um, He's had some strong drives. Winton was... Yeah. an outstanding performance there's been a, a couple of other really good drives as well so again in a team that you know grove racing in two years time could be racing triple eight and djr because they're on that trajectory but i think lee's just there three years too early mm. so it's matt Payne who's going to get the benefit of all of that and, and dave if he's still there and, and sticks around yeah i mean i i was probably the person who wasn't a fan of him giving up that Plum seat alongside Chaz Bathurst last year, but certainly that podium at the Grand Prix and that Winton weekend results have been a bit harder lately uh, for him. What do you What do you do? Um, it'd be interesting to see where he winds up in the co-driver mix next year. Well, if I'm Tim Edwards, I'm signing him tomorrow. And if I'm probably not WAU, depending on what Fabian goes. But if Fabian Coulthard, for example, goes to Cool Drive, which has been one of the rumours. Is the seat opens. What, why, why wouldn't you get him back? Well, why I, wouldn't I, you, correct? No, I, doubt, I doubt Bruce and Bruce Stewart and Ryan Walkinshaw would begrudge him going to take a full-time drive. But if they could get him back to jump in with Chaz in the Enduros in 23, then fantastic. Why wouldn't you? It's almost like Fabian, you know, he was the exception to the rule when he took that full-time seat at Team Sydney for the sake of having a full-time seat, and it was horrible. Mm. So he, that's sort of the, the one outlier, that 10% that you talked about, or 1% that you talk about, having a full-time drive over, you know, losing relevancy there to having one steer a year at Bathurst. Yeah, the, the hot tip there is probably mm. don't drive at Team Sydney, but anyway. Yeah. That's <laughs> ever. Yes. Yeah, very true. Well, uh, other supercar news going around. Of course, they're off to Pukkoe in a couple of weeks' time, so cars will be uh, up and shipped uh, very shortly. Yeah, yeah. The final will. round of uh, racing at Pukkoe. It's going to be yeah. set. We'll we'll look at this a bit more next week. Uh yeah, oh yeah, and and we'll we'll do the full preview as as usual. But I think it's going to be a great weekend. I'm really looking forward to the uh, supports over there because the Kiwis do, uh, I think they do supports really well at Pukekohe and we, we get to see here in Australia some categories that otherwise we wouldn't get an opportunity to see. I, I'm still mentally scarred from the sight of five Sangyongs uh, abreast. Five, five wide and two high. Yeah, coming over the Ford Mountain there uh, in 2016 and at that point turned around and walked away and I never watched another second of those things in my life because it was terrifying. But uh, the historics uh, over there are going to be fantastic. And there's a bunch of cool names driving a bunch of cool old cars, Greg Murphy in a Sierra, among other things. And we'll get Murph in uh, the TV role, which will be really cool. So he's, he's rejoining the the supercar media guys on the Fox Sports broadcast. So that'd be great. Murph's very good at TV and uh, it'll be nice to have uh, the Prince of Pookie you know, up and about at his home venue as he gets ready for that wild card uh, at Mount Panorama in a couple of weeks' time. I'm just looking forward to Van Gisbergen wrapping up the title with many rounds still to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's remarkable, isn't it? I mean, he's to say he's not going to win a Pukekohe, like he'd have to write the thing off on Friday for oh. them for him to not have a Boat, massive weekend. Boat's going to have to sink. Like, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> well, some that, sort of... But that doesn't work because... Everyone else loses points as well because they don't race if the boat sinks. But maybe he's he's 
cargo pallet just falls off the, the back contain- of the boat. His, his that container happens. just falls off. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that was a uh, that was a good decision too. I don't think we mentioned this last week. I think it came on after the uh, decision by Tony Quinn to appoint uh, Murph as his uh, is it racing operations manager at the uh, three tracks in New Zealand. Uh, yeah, I think that's a role. Yeah, oh, it makes makes sense. Keeps yeah, Murph, Murph in the game. He's a terrific ambassador for the sport, and Quinny's pretty intelligent with putting the right people in to do the right job at his at his venues. So, yeah, it's a good call. Not much more to add to that. Just got to walk out his back door for Hampton Park, doesn't he? I don't know if he still owns the. Um, oh, he might not own the apartment. Still owns the apartment there, but um, yeah, potentially. Hmm. Potentially. I'm looking forward to the rumour mill about where we go in 23 and onwards and, and what that deal looks like over there for supercars and whether we go back to Pukekohe. Well, we won't no. go back to Pukekohe, obviously. Whether we go to Hampton Downs is what I meant to say. Yeah. Or whether Quinny goes, right, well, we'll pay you some cash to go to Taupo or Highlands, potentially. Mm. Uh, that would be really interesting. I'd, that's that's going to be great. And, of course, the rumours of a second New Zealand round never shut up either which makes for mine all the sense in the world to do to do two rounds over there but uh, that'll be very interesting very interesting interesting watching the formula one on the weekend and uh having a look and seeing daniel ricardo and all the talkers about him wasn't it and what may happen what did happen he was definitely the uh point of discussion for the whole weekend do you know what i have hope happens i hope he goes to williams oh I think that would be great. And uh, I am a Williams fan and have been, but uh, I'm also an Alex Albon fan and he drove superbly on the weekend in a car that was a rocket ship in a straight line and held off 90% of the bottom half of the field to get some points for the third time this year. It was a really good drive, but that team, like they're legitimately competitive now. So he qualified strongly regardless of all the grid penalties that ultimately got him up to six on the grid. So they've got good investment. They've got great leadership in Jos Capito. I'd love to see him slide in there in Latifi's seat and um, bring some real experience to that team alongside Albon. I think that would be a great little pairing as that team climbs up the leaderboard. So that's what I'd like to see. That's just me though. Yes. Hmm. I don't think you go back to Alpine, for example. I'd love to see him there. I think that makes all the sense in the world. It does. But at least uh, at uh, Williams, uh, Latifi's pretty good at causing a safety car. I mean, that was one bit of interest outside of Air Hamilton at the start there. Yeah, and old uh, old Lewis and Alonso, uh, that was fantastic, thoroughly enjoyable. And certainly Alonso's character reference was uh, equally good television. But yeah, strange old move from... From Lewis, just not giving enough enough racing room on the outside there at um, at Lecomte on Fernando on the opening lap. And you always know that Fernando is going to carve people up on the opening lap. But in this case, he was almost carved by Lewis and it sent the Merck skyward. So unfortunately, it was probably one of the highlights of what was a pretty dreary race in the yeah. end. It, it didn't turn into being a thriller, which was a real shame given the the jumbled up grid that we started with, but um, Max Verstappen was just in a completely different universe and mm. um, starting 14th and led the thing before lap 10 and was never, ever going to be beaten was just so far in front. And, you know, following social media, like everyone's going, Oh, I hate DRS. It's rubbish, blah, blah, blah. But the DRS was only super powerful. If you were in a Red Bull, which were yep. already the quickest things in a straight line. So it, it, it's not the best track for DRS because it's such a long run up or Rouge Radion and then that straight where you're all getting that toe the whole way up. But nothing was going to stop a Red Bull in straight line performance there. And even without the drag reduction system, he was going by Carlos Sainz, whether he liked it or not. Mm, yep. And then he, goes to, then he goes to the gigantic rave party that is Zandvoort this weekend. So it just... It, they're going to have to... Red flag that because of smoke. That's yeah. my hot tip for the weekend. You're not going to be able to see where they're going. Yep. All the orange smoke. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy last year. And then yeah. off to Monza the week after. So uh, a triple header for Formula One bouncing back after the break. But yeah, it was a fr- frustrated with Spa. It was, um, yep. had all the makings of a really good race and just didn't quite bubble over into being good. There were some good yeah. scraps all through it, but, but it just wasn't. But it was better, better than last year, though. Well, yeah, but then anything is better than that. Mm. Yes. Uh, 
Are we surprised that we haven't heard anything about Piastri's contract dispute yet? No, because I think as we record this, the contract recognition board is sitting. So by the time this podcast comes out, I guarantee you there'll be an answer about where he's going. And uh, we will... Should I hold off on news until tomorrow morning, should I? No, well, <laughs> potentially. But uh, that'll still make this segment sound pretty irrelevant anyway. So, yeah, uh, yeah uh, we'll, we'll find out. It'll, it'll play itself out. He'll be on the grid somewhere. Yep, yeah, exactly. Uh, IndyCar boys... Uh, they're off to Portland. Uh, a couple of teams, including Penske, went and tested up there on the road course, which is cool. Uh, Will Power still leads the standings remarkably, despite pretty tough run at Gateway last week. So he's right in the mix, going to a racetrack he loves and one that he's always been very, very quick at, and it's a permanent road course, which is a place he owns. So that'll be good. And then uh, Laguna Seca the week after, and the other half of the field went and tested there. Uh, today as we talk Tuesday American time and um, the Ganassi boys were pretty quick. So they're the, the closest rivals to Penske. So it's shaping up for a really good two week shootout to decide the IndyCar crown with six or seven drivers still very much in contention. So yeah, can't wait for those races. They, they're going to be worth, I reckon an early start on, mm. on the Monday mornings because um, there's a lot of drama that could play out in those two races to decide this year's IndyCar championship. Very much so. NASCAR, Mark? Uh, the chase field, or the playoff field has been set. Daytona, rain delayed. Uh, it also rained again as the cars were about 20 laps from the finish and the entire field crashed. So that was oh. exciting. So much fun right. there. You just drive it into the rain and uh, they all just wound up in the fence. Austin Dillon took his fourth win of his career, his second at Daytona. Uh, he sealed a spot in the playoffs, which was a bit of a, a wild card. Kurt Busch gave up his uh, his place in the playoffs. So there were 16 winners for the season, but uh, Kurt's still out with his head injuries. So uh, that allowed um, Ryan Blaney through. So Martin Trokes Jr., even though he finished fourth in the points for the regular season, he missed out on a gig because he didn't get a win. So uh, it's a bit of a shame for old MTJ, but uh, it shows just how competitive the new generation of NASCAR is at the moment. So uh, they're off to Darlington this weekend with uh, a mid-Monday morning race for everyone. So if you've got some pocket KO going there at your office at, at home or work, wherever you're going, there'll be a bit of NASCAR to keep you company. Beautiful pocket stuff. KO. <laughs> Doric, uh, Doric Power Rankings, as we do each week towards the end of the show, our hots and knots for the week in motorsports. I think you want to start, don't you, based on your weekend experience? Oh, uh, yeah. Look, it was the first time I'd ever been to Morgan Park. And for those that don't know where Morgan Park is, it's about two hours and a bit south of Brisbane, down through Ipswich and keep going and you get there eventually. Uh, what a great track and a fantastic track. I had a look at it first time I got there and I go, this is amazing with the, the bridge and it's just beautifully set out in the country. The uh, facilities are as antiquated as my grandmother, who died 20 years ago. So haven't been upgraded there for a long time. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, beautiful, really good track, except the guys in the Formula Ford said it is so bumpy. They knew exactly what it was like to be a Formula One driver. They were sort of porpoising to an extent. They're just all vibrations just coming through them. But, no, a great place. You guys have been there a few times before. Yeah, it was, it was sort of built on the back of, a club basis. It was a real true club circuit. Started yeah. out as a little 600 meter dirt track. Then they made the money to seal 600 meter dirt track, extend out to 1.2, 2.3, 3. Point whatever it is now. So it's just kept being a progression over the years. And the driving force behind a lot of that was Matt Campbell's grandfather, Bill, who Cyclone Bill would go out there uh, on a Friday night. And the next day you'd lob up to the track and all the trees would knock down and a racetrack is parved out the back there and you know a couple months time he'd be out there paving it and it was amazing sort of real club atmosphere how that thing has progressed over the last 60 70 years however long it's been going to the stage now where they're having some reasonable meets up there especially a lot of the Australian superbike yeah uh, the superbikes love it up there as well, there as well yeah. yeah uh turn nine i don't know you guys have seen the new track haven't you yeah yes. turn nine just is a nice little sweeper down the back, and the guys just had a in the Formula Four. The guys that hadn't been there just had a lot of trouble working it out. It was Shebex, it was fun Mark, to see. Mark and I were there the first weekend that track was used. Oh, and the new we track. We almost yeah. sent a Formula Three car into low Earth orbit there. Queensland Raceway. 
No. Wow. Well, yeah, we almost returned them to Queensland Raceway because <laughs> they bumped wheels going through that kink you're talking about. Oh, Lord. Tom Tweedy and, and Jang Kui, the Chinese And we guy. were the only two people in the facility who knew what was going on. Correct. And the race director in the building above us heard us screaming, and that's how he knew something dramatic was happening because yeah. there were no TV pictures at the time. No, and you're uh, right. The, the commentary booth and the race director is in a totally separate tower to the main straight. They're sort of down near the bridge, which is was I found amazing as well. But a great view of the track from where they are. Terrific. Uh, my hot this week is, uh, and I'm going to be quick with this because I've got lots of knots. Uh, my hot is uh, old racetracks and in particular stories about old racetracks. Uh, right now, the top three stories for the month on the racetalk.com uh, stories about racetracks. Uh, Mark's excellent features on Sandown's history and his trip to the Calder Park Thunderdome. And uh, I wrote a little opinion about Bathurst now needing to get their second track up and running um, on account of Wakefield being shut down. And uh, old racetrack stories on TRT, pretty good for traffic. So uh, my hot is old racetrack stories. Uh, my hot is young Aussie hot shoes. Uh, Matt Campbell had his fifth... Imza GTP Pro, or GTD Pro, win of the year at Road Atlanta. He's got one race to go and pretty much stitched that up. So he just had to start at, um, yeah, at Road Atlanta. So he'll claim that title and move on to prototypes next year. And, of course, Jack Doohan with his third Formula 2 win of the year. He's really, uh, he's coming home with a wet sail there. Had a couple of uh, sprint race wins lately, but to have a feature race at Spa, that is uh, pretty good. And another Aussie and F1. That'd nice. be good. Yeah, wouldn't that be fantastic? Bonanza. Not. Yeah. Uh, not, I'll go first, and I may steal one of yours, Richard. I know you've got a few, but uh, not for me. And I've just totally forgotten what that not is going to be. All right. Does that go on the bloopers, or do we just All right, well, I'll, I'll jump in then. Uh, oh, Wakefield you... Park. Oh, yeah, okay. Was yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, a, a damn shame. Four, four races a month were what they were uh, down to, and unfortunately, that's just not commercially viable. So that's it. Wakefield Park closed for the foreseeable future and probably the future after that as well. So damn shame. We lose another uh, track, another permanent circuit to uh, bureaucracy. Nice. Uh, my first knot uh, is Florida, as in the state of. Uh, it's just not a great weekend for Florida. Uh, as Mark touched on before, they ran the... NASCAR field, A, they didn't get the racing on a scheduled day, so they had to push it back a day later. And then uh, they ran the NASCAR field into the rain, which is very, very silly indeed, and the whole field watered up. But then um, there was some weather inbound. Ultimately, it was technical issues that stopped it from happening, but there was weather as well, which apparently would have stopped it from happening. Um, but the Artemis One uh, rocket launch to return NASA to the moon, uh, unfortunately got scrubbed uh, on Monday night Australian time and uh, had it not been for the tech issue, entirely likely that Florida's weather would have done the same. So broad scoping, not for Florida. But my main one uh, this week is what's going on at Sydney Motorsport Park this weekend, which is the ARDC 70th anniversary race meeting. Now, I'm going to leave sports sedans out of this because I love sports sedans and they've got a massive field. Well done, sports 38 sedans. cars, fantastic. But the rest of it is just a massive disappointment from what was once one of the greatest weekends in Australian motor racing, Muscle Car Masters. It was utterly tremendous. And that event just over a period of five or six years was engineered to a standstill. And it was really, really hard to watch that event be just driven into the ground by a whole range of different issues. But what what is racing there this weekend is a pale imitation on what once was an absolute bucket list must-do visit on the calendar in Muscle Car Masters. And that makes me sad because good events are hard to come by, um, but and that event could still have been going really well. So really disappointing. And for a 70th anniversary for what is one of the longest-serving motorsport-related clubs with such a history uh, in our sport, I just don't think what they're putting on lives up to that even slightly. And that frustrates me because... Um, I think they could be doing better, the ARDC. But uh, anyway, that's just my opinion. But uh, that is my leading knot this week, Mark. There will be a spectacular drone light display. Brilliant. How that relates to the ARDC racing at the Mount Druitt circuit in their formative years, I don't know. But all the power to them. I like drones. 
Cool. Uh, yeah, my knots. Uh, imagine a world where you qualify 20th, get a 20-place grid penalty and start 13th. Makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, cool, dude. Uh, some of the reporting around Wakefield Park and people getting facts and blame and everything muddled up, which is slightly frustrating when everyone's copping the blame except for the people who probably are at fault. So that's a, a bit of a knot. But uh, my knot is called a park. It's just such a shame to see it the way mm. that it is when we're crying out for facilities. And it doesn't have to be a top-notch F1 spec facility. It has to be something that serves a purpose at lower levels because you look at Wakefield Park, they'd operate 280 days a year and they were three hours from anywhere. And this is something that's 25 minutes from downtown Melbourne. It doesn't, and I don't think it would take a massive investment. I'm not talking about getting the Thunderdome up and running again to NASCAR spec. Like they still run, there's going to be a race at the Thunderdome on back the Bathurst 1000 day. No. Yes, there is. Four hour, you know, one of those like lemon style oh. events. So, I mean, it's just a shame that it's on yeah. Bathurst weekend. Oh, it was. definitely would have been, yeah. been there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, it, it looks tired, but I don't think it'll take a massive amount of effort to bring it up to a reasonable sort of standard because I mean, look, the drag strip, they're going to be running the Australian championships there in February. Like it's not that far off, but if they just put a bit of effort in there and, you know, I'm sure if we get some working bees going, there'd be plenty of people who'd be willing to go out there and pull some weeds. We'd have a fantastic circuit that'll cater to all these other lower ends of the sport that you, you look at the old Queensland raceway, how it used to operate. It was a quantity over quality. It was, you don't charge much, but you get to use Queensland Raceway and they would fill it up with three or four different activities every single day on a weekend. And you've got all this different revenue coming in from all lower levels of the sport. So I'd just love to see Calder Park back out there, especially, you know, Sandown's got a finite life to it. All the yeah. hard work of getting the approvals and everything that you need to get a racetrack going, it's already in place at Calder Park. It's, it's just a, a lick of pain away from being an operable thing. Well, um, Good work, boys, as always. Enjoy your weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Yes. Bye for now. We'll catch you next week, too, right here. Thanks for joining us on The Grid.